0: Blog Talk Radio. Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your host, Shaw McCain.
1: Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Shara McCain. I'm the host of the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. We'll be with you tonight, and every, as we are, every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we're looking forward to our guest tonight. She's an awesome woman with uh, awesome credentials, and uh, we're just looking forward to it. She was recommended to me by Gary Bob Ross, and he's a, a mutual friend of ours. I just have one in, uh announcement to make is uh Jaime Lusan from Mexico, if you ever heard of him, he does uh, he's a television uh producer and, and director and everything else down there and he does all the shows on UFOs, uh and everything else. Anyway, he's going to be in Cobra City uh this weekend, actually it's Saturday, and uh, he's the guest for Ciro International, so the tickets are there's still tickets available. So go to com and it's going to be right in Culver City. And go to the website to find out all the information because it's going to be a very interesting show. And you're going to meet with him. and Sometimes they go to dinner like right after, so you'll be able to talk to him in the sauna person. And it's going to it seems like it's going to be a very wonderful night. And uh, we're really looking forward to that. So anyway, about tonight, I wanted to read a quote that uh, I found that is very, I don't know, meaningful. So this is a quote. I'm going to read it to What you are in love with, what seizes your imagination, will affect everything. It will decide what gets you out of bed in the morning, what you do with your evening, how you spend the weekend, what you read, who you know, and what breaks your heart. It will decide everything. And that's by Father Pedro Arupe. And that's a quote on Gary Bobroff's site, and it's about the synchronicity. And uh, actually, it's a Jungian uh, uh, site with, uh, if you know anything about Jungian, it's a mythology and symbolism, and it's really beautiful. So our guest tonight is uh, a really wonderful woman, and her name is Cynthia Cavalli. And I'll read you her bio. Bio, She's uh, many things, a shamanic dream and synchronicity coach, corporate systems wizard, complexity consultant, and visionary life strategist. Her background includes an eclectic blend of education and experience with a doctorate in organizational psychology, three decades as an aerospace engineer, an MBA with coursework at Cambridge, and certification as a shamanic dream teacher. Born in South India, her expertise draws from diverse cultures around the world. She is equally at home providing leadership coaching to corporate executives, offering systems and complexity workshops to groups or guiding individuals through uncertain paths in life using dreams, synchronicity, stories, and mythology. She's a gentle, wise soul dedicated to global transformation through personal inner work. And it's a marriage of objective science with intuitive healing practices. And right away, I'm going to tell you where her website is, if you want to look her up during the show. It's www.CynthiaCavalli, that's C-A-V-A-L-L-I Consulting.com. And with no further ado, we're going to welcome her aboard the show and I want to welcome you, Cynthia. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred.
2: Thank you so much, Shar. It's great to be with you on the show.
1: you're very welcome and thank you for being on um it's uh It's pretty amazing the synchronicity of uh uh Gary telling me about you and that he's working with you, and you're also giving these awesome uh webinars and I think they're like five at a time that people can enroll in. And I don't I don't have any information on the next one, but you just had one in September, right?
2: Right. Well the, the um it's still going on. Um it started at the the last weekend of September and it'll continue to November one. So people are still welcome to join us, uh sign up and join us and um you won't miss anything because all the the two previous sessions were recorded, so you can you can watch that on playback, um, and then we start up again this Sunday. We'll have another session, and then there'll be two more after that. So it's Sunday's uh, Pacific time, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., but you don't have to be in the Pacific area. You can be anywhere and call in, and um, if you're interested, you can sign up on either Gary's website or my website, and... Um, and we can you know, you'll get you'll get all the information that you need from that point on.
1: So that would be your website's Cynthia Cavalli Consulting at Outlook dot com or No, and, that's and my what's, email. Okay, that's your that's email. email. So what's that's your give the web the, address? Uh, web,
2: the website is w dot Cynthia dot com. And um I don't know Gary's by heart, uh but I can I can pull it up here really quickly and and then yes. later.
1: Okay, um, so Cynthia, why don't you tell us something about yourself? Uh, like you were born in India, but tell us about uh, what influenced you as a child and what was your family like.
2: Well, I grew up in a um, very uh, religious household, and it was um, not Hindu; it was uh, fundamentalist Christianity. And, um, we were very devout. My parents are still very devout and we moved to the states when I was very small and um i I went to Christian schools my whole life, and um I was really interested in how reality worked, and I was really interested in God and learning about how God created the world and um and so i I studied physics as an undergrad, and um you know that was only that only taught part of the answer of how the universe worked. It didn't address how people work or how we, you know, how we participate in the world. So um, I became interested in Jungian psychology. Um, So I was working as an aerospace engineer and then I was studying Jung and Joseph Campbell and mythology in my spare time. And I loved it. I loved what it was, how things came together. I loved, Integrating across the different disciplines and um trying to figure out how things worked, and the area that that was left unaddressed and that was still a conundrum to me was how does the inner world of our subjective experience meet and integrate with the outer world of objective experience and um and i that's what synchronicity gets at that's the area that synchronicity touches. And, and so I became interested in synchronicity through that love.
1: Well, what, is, what exactly is synchronicity?
2: So um, the term was coined by Jung, and um, I'll give you the definition that I used in my research, which is a kind of a shortened, modified form of Jung's definition. Um, it's when an inner event, such as a dream, a premonition, or an image etc. is matched by an event in outer reality. But there's no way that one caused the other. Instead their relationship is through meaning. So I gave this uh example on my um on my website. Uh, there was a therapist who um had a client who was coming to him for relationship problems and um in the course of the events the therapist was trying to impress on the client how troubled his marriage was to no avail and he finally throws up his hands in despair and says to the client, Your marriage is like a car wreck. And at the moment that he said the words car wreck, there was a car wreck outside the office. And it the justice you know, it was so shocking when that happened that the client was forced to pay attention and he was quite shook up. And, you know, finally the message kind of got through. But, you know, the fact that the therapist said car wreck didn't cause the car wreck to happen outside, and the car wreck outside didn't have anything to do with the therapist saying it, those words. You know, there's not a window there for him to look outside and see this is going to happen. So that's what we mean by, um, by two events that are related inner and outwardly, but they're related by meaning and not causally.
1: Right. And usually, to me, the synchronicity part of it actually is to a benefit. You know, it, it was like an exclamation point on the point where your marriage is a car wreck, and there's the an exclamation point, crash. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes they um, they are hallmarks or um, harbingers of of negative things too. They aren't always. They don't always represent imply that something good is coming. And that's a mistake that um, many people, when you, there's very often a feeling of of holiness or numinosity, you know, that something really exceptional is happening, something very special. And people feel that very often in a synchronicity and can mistake that to mean that everything's good. When really what it means is that Something is changing, or something something extraordinary is happening and it could be a warning as well you know so uh for example, and Gary talks about this quite a bit, people will ha will be will find themselves led to another individual through synchronicity um and I was led to my husband through synchronicity, and um you know when it happens that way, when you meet someone through a synchronistic occurrence, it feels very faded, you know it feels like oh my gosh this is the one and um in fact it may not be the one you don't know why you were led to this person maybe there was some other reason for being with this person or meeting this person but a lot of people make that mistake and think oh my gosh this this was fate we were meant to be together and when it turns out to be different than that they're very disappointed and wonder what in the world was going on so well, but you're happy.
1: Way. You're happy about, but you're happy about your. Well, tell us about how you met your husband. Because we need a, a solid yes, example here. <laughs> but you're happy, right?
0: Yes, I'm happy with my. Right. Yes, it worked out for
1: yes.
2: me. But you know there were other times in, in my life. It, there were other times in my life where I met people and it and it wasn't what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? That's right, the only point course. I was trying to make there. Yes. I, I met my husband. Um, um, actually, there it was in a very similar period of big change in my life. It was, it happened over a couple of years that this, these big changes were going on. And I found myself um, one by one, I felt like I was losing everything in my life. I was single and working and had my own home. And um, first I, I lost my job. And then, you know, I was, I was afraid that I was going to lose my home. And I managed to stretch my savings for like three years. And I was working odd jobs and it was very very hard and it kind of came to a head in this one year Um and I was I was going to have to do something about my house I was just taking all these odd jobs and in that one year I I began to have very vivid dreams and I began to notice that life seemed to shift and become it was almost as if I would have a thought about something happening and then it would happen, you know, that kind of thing. And that was not a usual thing for me. I'm not, I'm not a psychic or anything like that. So that was very unusual. And I noticed it and it was, it was spooky and weird. And, um, I just kept track of all these odd things. I would jot them down and I kept a dream journal because the dreams that year were especially vivid. And, um, I I went to uh, I was interested in Jung and I was interested in alchemy and there was uh, uh, the Orange County Jung organization had an annual conference and it was on alchemy and I thought oh this is fantastic I don't understand Jung on alchemy it was very uh, if you've ever read Jung on alchemy it's yeah. very uh, it's very hard to you don't it's know very what hard you're reading to read. what it, yeah yeah and so a lot I, of Latin al- too yes. And I, I didn't take Latin or Greek, so that was yes. Yeah. So I went to the conference, and um, when I went into the to the last the, the main event that I was interested in that had, that was on alchemical psychology, the professor, the lecturer, the the one who was giving the lecture, um, I just felt this incredible incredibly strong, um, urge that I had to meet him or, you know, and because I was unemployed, I thought it had to do with possible employment. So I, I made every effort to try to meet him. And then afterwards he asked me for my phone number and I gave it to him only because, you know, of that, that strong impression that I had that I was supposed to talk to him. And then later he called and said, well, let's, let's get together. I'll go over this stuff with you. And um, and before we went out, uh, I had a dream that we were getting married, and I was really a, quite appalled because, you know, <laughs> I didn't know him, and I I wasn't particularly attracted, but I thought, well, dreams are, you know, they could mean all kinds of things, and so I just took a note of it. But in the dream, I was very, very happy, and um, and as it turned out, you know, we did get married. And that year, every dream that I had, you know, that I wrote in my journal, almost every one came literally true. And it, I would never have had the benefit of knowing that if I hadn't journaled it and kept track of it. You know, I could look back later and see, oh, my gosh, you know, these these were actually mirroring something from my future in some way.
1: Well, you mentioned how you kept track of, and your dream, and that's a good thing to tell everybody right now. You've got to start journaling your dreams and these important happenings because I feel like it's—I call them the big dreams—and they're kind of different from regular process dreams. They have more symbolism. They feel real, and they—I think—they're showing you the future or what is a possibility. Do you agree with that? Like, there's different types of
2: dreams. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a lot of dreams. You know, people will tell you that, you know, sometimes something, something that you ate might give you a dream. And, and maybe that's possible, but mostly dreams dreams are a commentary from your psyche to your ego self about your life and about you and how you're doing. And it's, it's such a rich resource that most people don't avail themselves to. It's something that can... Um, you know, looking back at at the dreams that came literally true, you know, even though they didn't help me like win the lottery or anything, even though they didn't even help me avoid bad things because I didn't know that they were dreams from the future, um, looking back, I was able to see, you know, what happens to me isn't random. Um, there seems to be a pattern in my life that I'm living and something in the world knows is wiser than i am and has me has has me in their hands somehow i it was just you know and so christians or religious people would say that's god and i i don't disagree with that at all whether you call it god or you call it life there seems to be something else something beyond and it was it was such a reassuring realization looking backwards and having the dream journals to see that. Because it's one thing to believe in God the way you were taught growing up, but it's another thing to experience that same kind of um, knowing in, adult, in in later life in a different way than
1: we were taught. Yeah, because if you said you're a fundamentalist, uh, I think there's a lot of threats that go along with that. And then when you find out that there's, there's a richness and... Uh, beloved uh, experience with your higher power, it, it takes it to a whole different level. And then having all the symbology of the Jungian point of view to me just helped my uh, whole Christian experience, really. It developed yeah, into something yeah. richer, not just, not saying that uh, plain old religion isn't great, but it is, but uh, it developed into more mysticism, let's put it that way. Not Not that everybody agrees with a uh, mystic's point of view
2: right right well i i found um it's true not everybody does some people find it more comforting to have a concrete belief and have um more concrete uh depictions of the divine that's more comforting for some people uh for me it was it was not as comforting for me it it felt more like a straitjacket And, um, and, uh, you know, it was not, it was not helpful to me. Um, I think for a lot of people, a, a lot of my friends I know who have left fundamentalist Christianity behind, and perhaps this is true for other fundamentalist type religions, um, you know, at some point, life goes beyond what, what the concrete depictions of, uh, of life. In a in a more um, I, I'm not saying this right, but you know when you have a fundamentalist view of reality, life your modern life is going to exceed that, and then you're going to have no context for the things that are happening to you. And so a lot of people just abandon everything that they were taught because they don't know how to reconcile those two perspectives. Um, but but you don't have to abandon them, you know if you believe in God, God is bigger than that and can help you see that. If you don't believe in God, life is bigger than that and can help you see past that. You don't have to call that God if you don't feel that that is actually God or if you have an issue with the idea of God. You don't, there's still something bigger and beyond this immediate life and there are ways to experience that regardless.
1: Yes, and Um, Also, um, I feel that uh, the, uh, let's say, Jungian point of view and uh, what you're talking about is uh, a very artistic and uh, creative way to go about life. It it broadens your base to uh, many kind of incredible experiences. Once you start reading the materials, which I encourage everybody to do that, I went to the Jungian Institute over on Pico. In Los Angeles, uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever been over there, but I took many yeah. courses and then I went to the analysis, and I did all that so uh they take dream content very serious and uh the richness is just unbelievable, so uh like your aboriginals- talk about uh dream time, I think uh if you're of young and persuasion, you take the dream time. Uh, seriously also. It's a part of a rich inner life like the like uh you know the little flower Teresa had the inner life as a castle and many rooms and stuff like that. To me that's uh, what it's all about really.
2: Right, right. And and that that's one of the things that really attracted me to Jung, uh when he was talking about his, his patients' experiences when he was describing them, he never He never belittled anyone. He never belittled, he never made light of anyone's experience of reality. He treated everyone's experience of reality as valid and having valuable insight into the bigger picture of reality. Um, He treated all of it as no, if that was your experience, that was real for you. Um, Von Franz, one of his, um, one of his, Students and um, also a close colleague uh, was talking about when she first met him, and she was 18 years old when she met him. And he was talking about one of his patients who 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 believed that she lived on the moon, and he said that she lived on the moon, and and so she Bon Franz corrected him and said, "No, she thought she lived on the moon," and he said, "No, she lived on the moon. That's where she lived." You know, I you know, a, and he he valued the reality that other people experience as valid in their own right. And um, and that was a really important lesson lesson for me and helps me in my work now and helps me in my understanding to va- validate my own experiences. Right. Um,
1: so why don't you tell us some of the background behind the why, uh, why uh, this particular thing and how the concept was developed or introduced?
2: Um, Of synchronicity? Yes. Uh, Jung was um, already developing his ideas about the collective unconscious and archetypes. Um, And he was realizing, he was looking at the psyche as a self-regulating organism, um, similar to the heart system and the blood system (laughs) and the respiratory system in the body, so that it's capable of taking in... Information and adapting itself to the to its environment, and so he was conceiving of the psyche in that same way. That there's the ego, which is the vehicle of consciousness, and then there's the personal unconscious, and then there's the collective unconscious. And um, the ego is developed through this this cyclical dynamic, where the psyche sends dreams to the ego and informs the ego how to, you know, whether its behavior is appropriate or inappropriate or how to change. And um, so he was developing these ideas and his idea of the collective unconscious as the ground of all being and his idea of archetypes. And he began to notice in the lives of his patients and analysis clients that what appeared to be going on in their inner lives, in their psyches, was often matched or mirrored in their outer lives in this ongoing sequence of patterns and events, and you know it was quite startling. And actually, I've I've heard the same thing from other other analysts as well that they can see this pattern. And I've witnessed something like that in my own life. So he he was very reluctant to come forward with any theory about what was happening because he knew. Um, you know, he was already in trouble with other scientists because of his ideas about the collective unconscious. And he was kind of, you know, well, he, he was just resistant about coming forward. But he did a lot of research from the historical perspective, um, looking at, uh, you know, church fathers <laughs> and, you know, other authors and from, you know, centuries past and also in talking with colleagues and researchers from other disciplines, including religion and science. And it was actually Wolfgang Pauli, one of the founders of quantum mechanics, and he was in correspondence with uh, Jung. And it was Pauli that finally encouraged Jung to present his ideas more publicly in lectures, and, and even they even jointly produced a book on the subject together. Um, so And now this is one of the main reasons people know anything about him Um, we know a lot of people know the terms extroverted and introverted he coined those a lot of people know about the collective unconscious and his ideas about archetypes and then this concept of synchronicity is another kind of thing so to speak but he was really reluctant to know to talk about it because he knew how the scientific world felt about subjective experiences and he'd already experienced a lot of backlash towards his exploration of the occult. And uh, but he felt as a scientist exactly. that you know you 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 don't stay away from these subjects that there are ways to study them. And that if you really are a scientist, you should want to explore them and not be afraid.
1: Well at the time, you know, you're talking about Freud and uh, all his crew, so he was the one who uh, was running things and had all the uh of uh, the, I guess Freud was the modern psychiatrist. And he gave the
2: Yes. Yes. Right, right. So he um Jung was working with Freud, um, at first and their split occurred because of Jung's um exploration of the occult. And Freud uh beseeched him not to you know, not to pursue studies into the occult, but uh, that seemed to Jung a strange attitude for a scientist to have, you know, why would you be afraid of studying something like this? But, you know, it did have an impact on his his career. He did get branded as a mystic and a prophet and, you know, yeah. um, rather than a serious scientist, which is what he really was.
1: Hmm. I don't know, I just love the guy and I I read everything that I could, I have a whole huge uh, library of his works and, uh, you know, but you do have to have your Latin uh, dictionary right by you or something, because a lot of these concepts will take you all the way up and down the running trees. And it's a uh, very uh, fascinating to me and it's never ending. You know, it's a lot added. Do you feel that it's added a wealth to your life um, your and your concept about yourself?
2: Um, studying Jung, you mean? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, um, so uh, when I first became interested in Jung, I was in my twenties and um, I didn't quite have the vocabulary to understand some of his concepts. And I was reading Jung, not other people on Jung. And, um, and then I, I, put it aside for a little while and I discovered Joseph Campbell and I was reading about mythology and after reading Campbell for a couple years I was able to go back to Jung and now I had like a vocabulary by which I could understand better understand Jung and um, I found I found that the best way to I really couldn't read Jung I had to read a little bit of Jung and then sit with it you know and it would incubate, and maybe I I would have a dream, or, you know, I would talk about it to my friends. They didn't, I didn't have any friends who were studying Jung, and so that was a little bit um, lonely, and uh, another friend of mine, (laughs) another friend of mine said, you know, there's a Jung club, or a Jung organization in Orange County, and so, I joined, and I don't really like clubs, but I joined, and I went to every lecture, and I joined joined a dream group, and um, and and it changed my life. It changed. It felt like um, it felt like a a religious conversion experience for me. It it, I felt like it saved my life, you know, because because it made it helped me make sense of things from a different perspective, a, a perspective that was more holistic and integrated science and uh spirituality in a in a better way than I had found so far.
1: I totally agree with that and that um it's actually let's say you know you're going about your day to day life and uh sometimes things get very difficult and what really helps is to find symbol symbol symbology and meaning in what's happening to you and then if you're reading somebody like uh, Joseph Campbell or watching uh, his interviews of uh, what's the name, the, the myth, man's myth and meaning with, uh, uh-huh. oh, gosh. Anyway, uh, another young man, and he's talking about, I bought the tapes even. It kind of elevates you out of the muck and mire of what you're worried about every day, and it, it reminds you of where you're supposed to be and how it's supposed to be. It's a spiritual experience that never fails to lift one one up when you read the material again. So it must be a joy for you to teach this material.
2: Well, yeah, and, you know, the way – so I came through – I came to it probably the most um, exciting part of it came through dreams and working with dreams. And I remember um, in my 20s having this dream – Uh, that was very disturbing to me. I must have been 27 at the time, and I was already living and working on my own. I had moved 3,000 miles away from my family, and I had bought a house, and I had a good job, and I was very independent and happy. I had a good group of friends. And I had this dream that um, I was in my father's house, and um I don't know where my mom was but my dad was outside on the periphery of the property cutting down trees and um I could see him working and he was going to come in at sundown and um I noticed when I looked out there that there were these three men who were talking to him and um you know and I went back about my business and then sun sunset came and he didn't come back home and I began to be worried, so I called the FBI, and the FBI came, and as we were talking about his disappearance, and I mentioned the three men, they appeared to be arguing, you know, and my dad had a chainsaw, and he was cutting down trees, and um, as we were talking in the living room, blood started dripping from the ceiling, and we went into the attic, and, and there was a carpet rolled up, and in the rolled up carpet were the remains of my father, and I it was the middle of the night. I woke up. I called my my family back home, and they assured me that they were fine. But that dream has stayed with me. It was it was so disturbing and so upsetting. When I found the young group, and they offered a dream uh, a dream group, they had a dream group there. Um, I signed up and I worked with this dream, and. <laughs> What my, um, what the analyst who was leading the dream group helped me, helped me decipher for myself was that this dream was about becoming an adult and coming into my own as a young adult and no longer falling under the agency of my father, but now being in charge of my own agency, of my own life as the the, uh, key authority figure in my own life, that it was no longer my father, but it was me. And, the way that he worked with me with that dream, he didn't tell me that's what the dream was. He had me answer questions, and I said that that's what the dream was. It was just phenomenal. It just, I loved it. It felt so right. It felt so true in a way that uh, I hadn't experienced before with symbols and symbolism, and and that, that really started the changing of my life,
1: you know it does and uh sometimes uh i think there's a reason okay okay i'm going to ask you the question rather uh what is the reason for the symbols in a dream why doesn't it just tell us flat out what it is why is it always like a symbol
2: well here's what i think um it might be it might not be completely accurate but um language is maybe a little bit not quite accurate when it comes to describing concepts, right? So when we try to pin a concept down using language, we kind of get it but we we never get it completely. We're never able to convey it completely the same. And you can see it in different languages. There There may be something such as love and some languages have tons of words for love and each word has a slightly different nuance and other languages have fewer w- words for love and none of those words for love actually get at the totality of what that means, what love means in a, in our lives and so I think language is, is rather inexact um, whereas symbols really are speaking to something that go beyond our understanding and they want to be known, so they appear in our lives wanting to be known by us, and we try, and so the psyche speaks not in English or whatever language you speak, it speaks in symbols, and, you know, when you hear about people who have near-death experiences um or encounters with uh, people who have died or um, dreams of people who have died or, you know, things like that, they they tend to describe they tend to say that there was not that communication was telepathic you know that they they didn't speak that um that they knew in their minds it was mind to mind, and that seems to be a much more direct way of communicating, and I think um maybe in embodied in our physical selves we use language because. Because that's what you have to do when you're embodied, but maybe outside of that, everybody communicates through symbols, and I don't know, I'm conjecturing, but that that seems it seems to be something like that going on um and so I agree people- yeah,
1: yes, I agree because well, just think of uh how people can understand each other beyond language but even beyond species. how can uh you understand? Like I don't know if it happens, has happened to you, but I can understand if my dog uh, is thinking something, wants something, or I've had birds talk to me in my sleep. I'd be sleeping and they send me a little green. I need my water changed. You know, I had a bird that do that to me all
0: the time. <laughs> but he
1: would send it in a symbolism. Like there was, there would be dirty water in a fish tank, and I go, what the heck? I wake up and sure enough, I go look at his cage and he literally would throw water at me. Change this <laughs> water now. Even though he's the one who great, you know. Great. I know. It's that's just something uh inner species that it is it's a language that is uh direct and there's no miscommunication about it.
2: Right, right. And that's how that's how almost everyone who's 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 had that experience describes it. That that it's that it's direct it's mind to mind, so uh that's my guess for um for why why psyche prefers symbols um every now and then you know you can get words in a dream, you know you can get messages, but I think the symbolism conveys more of the totality of the concept or the idea um and um it takes us it puts us in a in relation to something that goes beyond as opposed to uh, a word or maybe a sign, just, just uh, a picture of something that's more concrete and and is only what it is, what it appears to be. Dreams? Yes. Uh, so Van Von Franz, Von Franz says, dreams never tell us something we already know. They always come to tell us something new and different.
1: That's interesting,
2: because
1: that's true. And I also believe our dreams lift us beyond our intellectual capacity at times. I had to, I've learned through my dreams so many times beyond what I was capable of before I went to sleep. You know, all of a sudden I knew something now that I woke up because I was taught during yes. my sleep a certain concept. It's happened to me so many times. You know that it changed <laughs> yeah. me during the night. You know, I've even woken up yes. with a different belief system and think, "What the heck's going to happen to me now?" I believe one <laughs> thing when I went to bed, and now I believe another thing when I woke up. <laughs>
2: Well, there are um, there are dream traditions that believe that when we sleep, we actually go somewhere and are busy doing things. And I I wouldn't be surprised if that's the reason why some people are way more tired when they after they slept <laughs> because they've been so busy yeah. during the night.
1: I think I'm one of those very busy <laughs> going about learning and there's some kind of college campus that I'm I'm learning at 'cause I am i am learning at, i i am telling you it's happened so many times. It's it's very fascinating and it gives me some kind of uh, interesting and rich uh inner life that sometimes really it's hard to put into words. You know, to discuss yeah. it is very difficult at times.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um and it can feel lonely when yeah. when you're not able to share uh, such a such a joyous experience or such a enriching experience that's part of your reality um well, how is synchronicity different from
1: uh, regular coincidence
2: so um so there are simple coincidences and then there are um more meaningful ones i would say an example of a single co- of a simple coincidence might be Say you find yourself sneezing uncontrollably as a plane flies overhead. And those two events are correlated only by the fact that they happened at the same time, but not really in any other way. Um, So in the example that I gave of the therapist whose client, you know, who who said the words, your marriage is like a car wreck, and then the car wreck happened, there is a meaningful connection. Connection between those two events, and they're not causally related. You know, the therapist didn't cause the car wreck, and the car wreck didn't make him say that. So that would, that's kind of an that's kind of a simple example. But you know, not all synchronicities are simultaneous in that way either. But there are there are regular coincidences happening all the time. They just don't have that meaningful connection.
1: Yeah, and it's not meaningful. Uh, I think, okay, so with the regular coincidences, I'll go, you both go just, oh, huh. But I think if it's a profound coincidence, I think that it uh, has more meaning, and then some of it will be revealed later. Like, you know it's important, right. but it's not right. it's not totally unveiled right now. You only get half of the mystery, and, of course, <laughs> you have to wait for the rest of it, um, on the edge of your chair now what what's next? <laughs> <It's> just, uh, <laughs> right, it's, uh, right it keeps it keeps you alive. It keeps you wanting to move forward. For so those that are interested in this, you know, there's nothing better. Right, right.
2: Yeah. So what you mentioned, um, there is an element of improbability, um and uh remarkability. Um, there's there's some statistical significance, you know in terms of chance, how likely is this to have happened? Um, in addition to the fact that it was meaningful, you know, if it's something that's meaningful but it's something that happens all the time, uh, that with a great degree of frequency, then you don't think typically think of that as synchronicity. It's something that feels there. There's that feeling of numinosity um, that something holy has happened.
0: You can have yeah. simple
2: synchronicities but the in the big ones you have that feeling that something holy has happened or is happening um and i make a distinction in my work between um proper you know specific synchronicities and synchronistic events so when i say synchronistic events i mean like what you were saying where where one part of the synchronicity happens not necessarily the other you feel that something is happening but you but it is you can't call it a a a proper synchronicity yet but it, you're in that you're in that territory you're in that arena and you you feel like something's up and um and I think that or for example you may not know what the meaning is yet um so people will have uh patterns repeating patterns of numbers or um images or phrases and those will occur over and over again they may not know the meaning of that yet but I would call that those are synchronistic events as well, you know, even if they aren't specifically a synchronicity in itself by my de- by the definition that I use.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's there to uh, – I notice that the synchronistic events, sometimes it just makes a fool out of you. So you could just say in one second, <laughs> oh, I don't believe in this stuff, and then all of a sudden the thing appears, you know, whatever it is. And it's a, it's kind of scary, but – I, I like this quote. This is by City, Betty Sue Flowers, and she's speaking on um, Joseph Jaworski. I know that I know you probably read him, as, as we all have.
2: Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah. is know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And what uh, she's saying is, when you see what you're here for, the world begins to mirror your purpose in a magical way. It's almost as if you suddenly find yourself on a stage in a play that was written expressly for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautifully put. You know, at the same time, I I have to say this uh, because uh, <laughs> I've I've heard a lot of analysts griping Jungian analysts griping that you know what happens what happens with the concept of synchronicity is that it gets picked up in the new age lexicon and then mixed up with a lot of other things. Yes. And even from my even from my research on um with the participants that I had. On the one hand, when you have this big synchronicity happening to you, it is tremendous, and it does you feel like, oh my gosh, something in the world knows something specific about me, and how, that how could it possibly know this about me, you know, because I'm not that special, and and um, you get the feeling that you are indeed very special. But at the same time, every single one of my participants said they also understood that what happens in the world is not about them. On the one hand, you feel incredibly honored and recognized and valued and affirmed and special. And on the other hand, at the same time, you realize what happens in the world is not about you. So it's not an ego trip at all. It's really about recognizing who you are and your place in the universe and that there is a place for you in the universe, but that the universe isn't about you; that it's about something much, much bigger that we all get are privileged to play a part in, and that those two things go together. And that seems to be the hallmark of uh, of transformational synchronicity.
1: Yeah, the key word there is transformational. It's uh, yeah. because there is a um, there is a a life to lead that transforms you from what you were into not only what you are, but what you're going to be. And it takes a lot of faith to actually go through that transformation because uh, a book that really helped me uh, going through all this and understanding uh, was Evelyn Underhill's uh, Christian Mysticism. And she talks Mm. about, uh, I don't know if you ever read it, but it, it. She talks about the dark night of the soul and uh, every step that goes through. You go through as you're transforming, and a lot of it. I don't know if people would actually choose choose this. You know what I mean? You wouldn't choose to be down in the cellar, locked up until you learn your lesson and let out into the daylight someday. What do you yeah, think about that part?
2: Yeah, that's definitely true, and um, I totally agree with what you're saying about the dark night of the soul. And, you know, after I did my research, that that's kind of the conclusion that I drew, that what I was really studying was the transformation process. Even though I was, I was uh, studying synchronicity and I was focused on the meaning, the experience of meaning in synchronicity, it turned out that the big synchronicities are all, they all appear um, in that process in that major process of transformation and especially on that edge of becoming where we're, where the old is falling apart and something new is trying to be born within us or in our lives in some way. And that edge, which isn't just one place, um, it can happen multiple times. You can find yourself in the dark night multiple times. that edge is where synchronicities, um, and actually, they come, and they come like like a uh, saving grace because otherwise <laughs> we might we might really despair. But what what was really astounding was that pro- that place of not knowing, that profound not knowing that we ha- experience when we're in the dark night of the soul, is is absolutely essential to the new life and the new person that we're becoming. And if you don't go into that not knowing then it has a tendency to um undermine the transformation process a little bit. So as much as we want to hang on to what we what is familiar and what we know, it's absolutely essential to go into a place of not of profound not knowing. And that's that's so horrible because
0: <laughs> nobody it wants is. to go there. It's,
1: it's, it's painful. Awful. It's awful because <laughs> You don't know your worth, you know you don't you you forget who you are, you know you just don't have any concept of who you are, what you're worth, what's it gonna be right. like and you don't even know if your opinion's straight when you're going through this, I think I've done like three big three to five big ones, just like that. you know what I mean, and it's not it's yeah. the most uncomfortable, weirdest spot. I'm sure a lot of you know unfortunately, a lot of creative people. That uh, go through this don't make it. You know they're going through a transformational experience, but if you start getting drugs and trying to squish it, it's painful. Okay, there's no doubt about it. And yeah. uh, it's like being turned inside out, and then you lose your your bearings. And if you don't have faith to just keep weathering through it, you know, it's right? Gonna, it's going to be hard. And I think it's very harsh on a sensitive soul who feels everything. Let's say certain yeah. artists or musicians or uh actors uh I think they're suffering or somebody that is very intellectual or or does have um if they're they okay do you feel that it's a voluntary thing to step off into the abyss or that you're drug there <laughs>
2: well um, there, there may be a few. Exceptional people who voluntarily ch- throw themselves into the abyss. <laughs> maybe some really great artists or philosophers. Oh, or I don't know who. Like I don't know who. I'm just saying, maybe. I mean, you know, theoretically, maybe. But certainly, most of us, including me, I would never go there if I was not dragged there. I mean, it's such, it's so uncertain. It's so scary. It's so full of not knowing. And in fact, life's almost. I almost feel like life has tricked me there, you know, like it it made me think I was going towards something solid and reasonable and I was going there. And then next thing I know, the the floor dropped away from under me. So, um, you know, life gets you there. (laughs) And and actually, you know, I have to say um, there's a wonderful book called uh, by Peter Kingsley called in the, so now I'm going to forget the name. In the dark place. I, know, I of do that over. all the
1: time, yeah,
2: <laughs> but go he ahead. talks about that he talks about finding yourself um lost, and if you go left it's wrong, and if you go right it's wrong, and if you go straight ahead, it's wrong, and every every place you go is wrong, and everything you do is wrong, and nothing can save you now, and the whole point of that place is to be lost that is the place that you were supposed to be because that's. That's the only way that transformation, real radical transformation can happen. And it's it's terrifying. It's, so it's your ego that's experiencing it, everything, and you need your ego. And the ego kind of has to go through this falling apart before it can come back together in a new way. And, I mean, I know that intellectually, but when it happens, it's horrible. And I never, yes. I never want it. I always resist it. And, you know, sometimes life drags you. But really, it's the best thing that can happen to you. It's the place where growth happens. It's the place where creativity happens. And um, you know, you mentioned artists and actors, actors and um, musicians, and the really, really sensitive souls. I, you know, I don't. I'm not saying that all addiction is due to this, but I'm sure some some addiction, some self medication happens because because of a fear of going into this place. And certainly um, we're right to resist it because it's a place where things come apart. But it's also right for life to push us there. <laughs> it's it's the tension of life. And, um, and you know, there are people who, who go into the abyss and don't make it out. So it requires a, an ego that is strong enough to withstand that tension. Um, even as it's falling apart, that something something of the, of the individual remains. It's not straightforward yes. at all.
1: No, it's not yeah. straightforward at all, and there's no, like, road signs that this way <laughs> is this magical experience. And sometimes I wonder, and I'm kind of confused when uh, people are very happy about this. You know what I mean? They're, uh, it's wonderful when you have the insight, but that insight leaves. Like, okay, you get this profound insight. This is what happens to me. I get a profound insight that maybe the next day it makes no sense to me anymore. You know what I mean? But <laughs> it, did change. <laughs> it yeah, did change It did change me something. for that minute, But it, yeah. uh, and then I could not articulate it right. And then that's why it's yeah. important to take notes and have a journal. <laughs> you know because now yeah. you got it now you don't
2: that's very true um and and the the journey can take you moment by moment into new territory and um and you know i mean about taking notes it it's really it was really helpful for me to take notes but i couldn't take notes on everything and there were things that were profoundly moving to me that i didn't capture and i kicked myself later yes but i think I think you have to just let it go. You know, if it if if it's really important for you to know it, it's not. Nothing's ever lost, and it'll come back. To no, you it really,
1: doesn't.
2: You know, so yes, it, right. it's you do your best, and you be gentle with yourself, and you even have to have a little compassion towards yourself because because we we only can go with what we know, you know, and we're going to make mistakes and, and we're going to screw up and we're going to get some things right. So I think it's it's really important to have compassion for ourselves. Um, it's not an easy process. That dark night of the soul, mm-hmm. it will kick your butt. It's, it's rough. It is not it's rough.
1: But I encourage everybody that is maybe going through this, and the hallmark is is that you don't know anything, it's dark, everything's messed up, you might lose your job, you might have bad health. There's like so many uh, negatives to it, but every single person that has lived through it and transformed into a better, stronger, more awesome human being. So I want everybody to hang in there and hang on because it's going to be better on the other side. It's going to be glorious on the other side.
2: Yeah, it's it's really... um... It's really important to to allow yourself the space to go through something like that because it, it is part of our journey here. I mean, if we if we wanted a safe, easy, happy um, life, we could have just stayed. We didn't have to incarnate, right? We could have just stayed wherever we were we are before we come into this body. Um, right. And once we come into this body, you know. It's good to get the whole experience, <laughs> however painful yeah. it is. It's yeah, easy because... for me to say that now when I'm sitting here and I'm I'm safe in my in my living room, but um and I know right. when it's happening, it is it is it can be terrifying. But, yeah, it um, can.
1: And Bess, but you're you're actually uh, a life coach that can actually help people through this type of thing because that's what I was picking up on your website. So I was looking at it when you know what this would be really good to have a guide because we're, we have lost all the shaman and the guides. You know what I mean? There's not many here and, uh, we're not recognizing these kind of rituals in the modern life. And I think it's so important.
2: Right, right. Well, um, well, there's still, you know, there's still guides around and sometimes yeah, in our deepest, in our deepest, darkest moments, um, the right guide does appear uh, and help us find our way again. Um, and that guide can take many forms. It can take the form of a human being. It can take the form of a dream guide. It can take the form of an animal. Um, there are many ways that the guide will appear. but what And that is some of the work that I do. And, um, you know, just to tell you briefly, when people are in the dark night of the soul, when they do find themselves in this, in the abyss, so to speak, um, there are still things you can do. Now, the point of that time is not to act, you know, and almost any action you take will probably turn out to be wrong, and it can feel very defeating but there are still things that you can do. Um, I think the, pri- the biggest thing I found about that time is it's really a lesson for our ego parts of ourselves to take Mm. a back seat this is the time for the heart to shine and so any action you take that is heart centered that the heart Mm. is leading will be okay and you'll be okay with heart actions. ego really needs to take a back seat and let heart drive and and that's been the biggest way that i found people can can make it through this time and there are there are wonderful guides who, who will show up to help and that's some some of the work that I do. I work with people's dreams. Your dreams won't stop. Your dreams can provide insight into what to do. A lot of the participants in my research reported having a dream that would just tell them one step, one step at a time. So they would take that one step and no. then wait for more direction. And then they would get another dream or another sign that said, oh, you can do this. This would be okay if you did this. And so they would do that one thing. And in that way, one tiny step at a time with lots of space in between, they were able to navigate that dark night as a soul. And, you know, it doesn't last forever how how no. however it might feel, it does not last forever. So um there are there are guides, there are angels, there are um gods, there are all kinds of tools available to us, but it's a different set of tools from regular life.
1: Yes, it is and um, okay, so what is the most radical thing you discovered about synchronicity in your in your studies in life
2: so i I was really um i was really taken by this idea of objective meaning um, mm. so what Jung? what was really radical about Jung's proposition of synchronicity he he was saying that Reality seems to be organized in two different ways. One is the causal way where you you do this and that has consequences and then so you take this action, there are consequences to that action and then those consequences have other consequences and you get this kind of a ripple effect of cause and effect. Um, so that was one way that things happen and the connecting principle there is causality. And what he's talking about is is known as efficient cause. But then um what synchronicity his concept of synchronicity was pointing to was a completely different way that reality is ordered and that is through patterns and meaning. And he used the word meaning knowing that it would be problematic, knowing that most people uh consider meaning to be uh human made, you know, that people think of meaning as a human construct. But he used the term anyway, he said you could use the term equivalence to, to describe what I mean, you know, that this kind of these kinds of clustering of patterns and things have coming together because they have similar, they resonate in some way. Um, and I even know another researcher who uses the word uh, salient to describe this. But, um, but I use the term meaning and um, it there just appears to be this connection between what goes on inside our psyches and what happens in the outer world. And science typically considers this superstitious and, you know, either refuses to explore it or does so in like a very materialistic, reductive way. But this is is a really radical, this to me was the most radical thing about synchronicity.
1: Just It's just really fascinating. Are you ready to take a phone call? For the question? Sure. Okay, because we're midway through, and uh, we'll just take a question right now. Okay. Hi, you're area code nine one seven. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Can I have your first name,
0: please? Hi, this is Anne Anne Marie. I'm calling from. Hi, I'm calling from uh, Upstate New York. Oh, cool. And um, so, what, what's your question, I'm- Madam? Okay. I have a couple things. Um, I wanted to share a really funny story of synchronicity, if that's okay. If that's okay with your guest, you know. Um, About 15 years ago, I was receiving all these big signs, I need to move to New York, I need to move to New York. At the time, I was living in north central Florida. And I was just getting these signs and signs and signs and I'm I'm also I'm a singer and I was singing at a wedding and I was talking with my pianist and I mentioned to her, you know, I've just been getting these really big signs that I need to move to New York and at that very moment this woman dressed very nicely walked up to us at the piano and said, Oh, I'm from Manhattan, and we don't have anybody like you there. You should come to New York. <laughs> and I just said, wow. you see. <laughs> so I don't know if that's synchronicity, but it was pretty funny and very coincidental <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, I would
2: consider that a synchronicity, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that happens all the time to me. Um, one thing I wanted to to ask you, and and i totally understand what you mean by the dark night of the soul and how painful it is uh and i've gone through i'd say about four of them in the past 3 years 4 years um really really serious shakeups um in my soul um and during this time you know, my marriage is one of the things that totally imploded And it was a long marriage. It was 20 years long um, at the time, 21 by the time he finally uh, left. But in, in my Christian tradition, in my Catholic tradition, one of the things that we do is we pray for very specific intentions. You know, we pray for healing for friends. We pray not just for ourselves, but more importantly for somebody else and And one of the things that i'm i i want to kind of understand is in in a situation like um what you study and you know what you teach, where does that fit in? Is there a purpose for praying for the benefit of another person sure sure
2: um i certainly there's a benefit and and i i've read from i've read accounts from people who had near death experiences say that um they could see the prayers of the living or keeping you know holding sometimes it even holds people back who are trying to pass to the other side um and i've experienced in my own life the benefits of prayer and um i had a sister who was very ill and she subsequently died but when she was before she died and when she was very sick she almost died several times and each time it was the prayers of our community that that pulled her back and she was we were able to enjoy a little bit more time with her um so mm-hmm. there's definitely a place for prayer prayer is very powerful it definitely works um and you there are even things you can do to to um you know kind of ex- experiments that you can run with prayer that that reveal the power of it. Um, But in terms of a synchronicity, it's it's not quite a synchronicity because there's intention behind it. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, And the primary difference, the way I'm distinguishing synchronicity from other kinds of prayerful activities or intentional activities is the participation of ego. And the participation of ego is not a bad thing at all. Synchronicities happen, they're like acts of God. They happen outside of us. They happen Mm -hmm. outside of our conscious will. Um, Now, part of my research findings had to do with purpose and fate. And I became convinced that there really is such a thing as purpose and fate. And sometimes our fate can, it's as if it's alive and is calling us to it and so whether a synchronicity happens because of that fate or you know that i cannot say um it appears that that is the case sometimes so it's a little bit murky area and um we you know if we had a lot more research then we would start to be able to um understand it more deeply i believe but um that's that's how i'm distinguishing between uh synchronicities and other other events that are that still are beyond our, our mm. immediate realm, you know what I'm saying, like things like prayer. And...
0: So I'm, I'm, it kind of does. I mean, what I was thinking more specifically was, you know, for, for about a year and a half, I prayed so intently uh, for my husband and that he would ch- have a change of heart and, you know, come back and do all these things. And it just didn't happen. So okay. maybe that prayer came from a place of ego as opposed mm. to for a place of the best thing to be done for me. You know, well, I, if we I... ask God, you know... Hmm. Right, yes, I, I
2: hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I think, I think what I would say, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would refrain from from really any judgment. Of, of course, you wanted to work things out with your husband. Of course, you wanted that that marriage to work. I would say mm-hmm. rather that maybe your fate or your future self had a different requirement that could no longer re- be met through that marriage.
0: That seems to be maybe yeah. more Whoa. accurate. Um, yeah, and so
1: agree, you know, and we don't know if that's too, because, well, that's a big one that because that's a big one because your, let's say, your family, your children, your friends are all, and yourself is all geared around hanging on no matter what, when maybe your right. authentic self is calling you to let go, and that's like our right. will. I know we pray for these things but maybe the answer is different than what you we expected and that's one of my biggest disappointments is not getting what I want. I'm praying
0: sure.
1: but God has something big in mind for me which is not what I'm praying for. He's saying well, exactly. I have something else for you.
2: Well exactly. And I, I have the I, I I I like to think that if we were able to see everything and know everything, that maybe what we get is exactly what we would pray for but most of the time we we have only partial information we we know what we what's happened before and we know what we don't like and so we're afraid of what we think could happen um but you know we can't see past the, bad, the the thing we don't want to happen we can't see anything past that we can't see that maybe through that negative event something greater might be waiting and um
0: and that's mm-hmm.
2: sometimes what happens.
0: Mhm. And um in it? your bio um sure in in the bio that you wrote for her um it it says you're a healer. Can you describe I, some of your healing practices? So I
2: I would say that what I what I do probably isn't strictly called healing. The work that we do is healing. The healing, it doesn't come from me. So I don't, I'm not someone who does laying on of hands and I don't have, I don't do like mm. energy healing. But what I do is work with, um, work with dreams and synchronicities and the symbols that come into that person's life. And also we, we do a kind of a, a, a mapping of, identity across time and across the different experiences that a person has had. And sometimes it indicates that some healing is needed. Sometimes healing can come through the dreams, And so my role is really as a guide and to hold space and to act in the, in, as a kind of an interpreter for psyche to come through with, with the messages mm-hmm. and help the person in their life, you know, um, understand what that means for them right now. Um, mostly I allow the space. I, I keep the space safe for that person to, to go into it more deeply so that they don't have to be doing both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then we apply some of the principles of not just Jung, um, Jung's conception of the psyche, but also, uh, shamanic principles, um, we can do dream journeying and dream traveling and from that we can do shamanic dream healing so
0: it's it's a little bit
2: different so if somebody is is sick or really sick you know i can work with them but i would recommend that they go to a medical professional but if Mm -hmm. you have you know if you have other other uh, if you're, you're working with dreams i that's the work that i do
0: that is a – excuse me, Shar, do you mind if I say one more comment?
1: Yes, go ahead.
0: Okay. Um, it's so interesting um, that you're talking about dreams and that because one of the biggest things that I have gotten through these past three years of really painful growth is that my dreams are like vacations, they are so interesting, yeah. and I look forward to them every you know every night and i I try and remember as clearly as possible and um and the only reason why I don't mark my dreams down on paper because i I'm just too lazy to do it, but I mean, I really try and remember really hard um and and the other night, and this involves my soon to be ex husband uh I had a really nice dream where we were getting along really well and we were kind of doing things together and it was it was new year's eve actually and and we were or some sort of celebration or evening celebration or something, and we were together, and we were with our kids and then at like the important moment. He cut out all of a sudden. He disappeared for a little bit. And then I was like, well, where'd you go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? And then it dawned on me, oh, he went to be with this other person that he is involved with now. So the truth of the matter is that even though my desire is that we are back together, he will never really want to be back together. He will always want to do this new life of his. I mean, I thought when I woke up I was like you know, you're you know, my dreams are trying to tell me to just let go. Let go. <laughs> I need to listen. Yeah. You know, I just need to let that man go and let him live his life. Well, and, and you know, that
2: that that may be a process, you know, it's not that simple to let someone go that you've loved for so long. So you can be a little gentle with yourself and, and understanding about that, and then you know um and and work through that process
1: mhm, it takes time so. it isn't it's not just a year it takes time it takes yeah. a long time
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. hang in there man. well.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your show, Char. Um, thank
1: Nick you. Back. Thank you for calling in. I thank really appreciate Anne. it very much. Take Anne. Take your Anne. All
0: thank right. you, Anne. Okay, you. You're very welcome.
1: Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Okay, so uh, that's just you know that I, I is uh, that's part of the dark night of the soul. I'm not. I'm not. No, I don't know if she's thinking <laughs> in terms of that. But to me, nothing hurts you you worse than something like that, where you feel that your I, loved one's turned away from you. You know, that is one of my dreads, dreads, personally. It's
2: true. It's true, and 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 wrapped up in that is your sense of identity and everything that you thought you were and who you thought you were now has to shift and change and you have to find a new identity and a new way of being in the world that, that doesn't include the other person. It's very it's painful and um and it takes time you know and it's it's part of a process and if you can if you can be um gentle and compassionate with yourself um you can get there i mean and maybe you need you help you can do
0: it
2: then you get the help yes absolutely and then you maybe you need help and maybe you get the help that you need and maybe That's
0: you right. know maybe
2: there'll be other obstacles around the along the way but it it's it's not the end there's more good things ahead
1: well you know personally you know this is what almost took me out is is that i've been married 27 years and we've been separated the last five and uh we got uh i'm greek orthodox We got married in the at our 10-year anniversary we got married in the greek church and i'm gonna tell you something that is very profound that um it was almost like uh, having a dream when you're awake, but this was intense. So, you know, we, it was like, I remember because it was um, August 31st, the Day of the Blessed Mother, and we had the big fat Greek wedding, you know, the whole bit, you know. And, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. and when we came home that night, but we'd already been married 10 years, so, you know, the church, mm-hmm. and he's uh, uh, I, I, more I, Irish Catholic, so but still uh-huh. the church okay and everything. So I thought this would really help us in our marriage and everything so now we're back home at the end of the day and uh i was sitting there in a chair and he was sitting on the bed and he was untying his his uh, wedding shoes he had these uh, black shoes he was untying the and he got one untied and he untied and while it was, he was untying the second one his leg was you know crossed and he was untying it he looked up at me and I, but i was looking at him and i was just thinking I don't think it worked. You know, I hate to say that, you know what I mean? But I was thinking, oh, my God, I don't think it worked. Like, I don't think getting married to the same person over and over again is going to make this any better. You know what I mean? It's not uh-huh, going to save uh-huh. our marriage. But I thought if we holified it or holified, I don't even think that's a word. But anyway, if we had it sanctioned somewhere, yeah. <laughs> it's going to yeah. work. Anyway, so I'm sitting there thinking like that. But, you know, you still love somebody. But it doesn't mean you're going to be with somebody You know what I mean But I was, wasn't yeah. thinking that I was thinking, oh, I don't know if it's worked or not And I was looking at him And in mid untying his shoe He looked up at me And it looked like him But it looked like a different him It wow. shocked me When he looked at me, it stunned me I went, oh! I caught my breath And this is what he said to me He said, I can't go there with you And then he went back to doing his shoe He looked back down He turned back into himself again What I saw was was the man's soul His real self Told me he couldn't go
0: And what I
1: I was Talking about was That deep Deep water of love Where you go and have no fear
0: You know Mm. what I mean Where you
1: go into it And you're really bonded to each other And you're really having this soul connection, you know, that might mm-hmm. either make you or break you or kill you. Who knows what's gonna happen there, you know, because you love somebody. Yeah. But yeah he his soul told me I can't go there with you. Wow. That's why I still stayed another ten years but I didn't punish him anymore. You know what I mean? Now you yeah. know, he, he need to say a bunch of crap, you know. And the same thing with our separation. I haven't hit him with with uh, alimony, all so he he thinks it's because I just want to stay away from him. You know, somebody's already living with him and everything. You know what I mean? He's already done a bunch of stuff, yeah, to like seal yeah. his exit or whatever. But he does not know that's why I'm not punishing him. That's why I'm wow. not. He's come back at me many times, hard, but it never works. You know what I mean? So he's dragged me into court sometimes yeah. and all that, but
2: yeah,
1: it never works. But I don't take him there because he already told me he couldn't go there anyway.
2: Wow. So what do you think about this? Wow, that is profound. Um, profound. I think that says I think it says a lot about you and and your understanding of 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 human nature and what people can and cannot do and not everybody is able to go to those depths. And you have compassion for him and you know, yes. understand his limitations as a human being, and I think that that's a real gift to him. However, else everything everything else might be going um, is another thing, but this is a gift that you're able to recognize mm-hmm. that.
1: Yes, and uh, to actually like mm-hmm. this would be possible in a dream mm-hmm. to hear, but to hear it straight mm-hmm. from the soul, and then somebody t- I mean, his face was even a mature different looking face. You know what I mean? He's very handsome. Wow. But wow. his face wow. was even turned into somebody that was literally looking direct. He did not know he even said it. I never said it out loud <laughs> until now. Wow. He will never hear it. But what I'm saying is yeah. I've never we never discussed it because he never said it. It was his soul that said. Mm. Wow. I know um, so, that
2: actually was a gift to you, don't you think? Because it, was. it, got, it hadn't happened. Yeah, you would be wondering what what did I do wrong, or why can't yes. why can't we make this work? And you
1: know. exactly, and I would have turned into a Scottish because I have Scottish on the other side, but I would have turned into a Scottish wailing banshee outside his door, screaming <laughs> like hell, come out of there, you son of a bitch, or whatever, <laughs> try to kill that girl. Yeah. I mean, really, because we're capable of what? Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. I've had yeah. people say, well, why do women always get so mad at me? And I said, because you're turning them into banshees. You're turning them <laughs> into that witch that's going to scream outside your window. Quit quit doing this to them. Don't yeah. promise them everything and then, then ditch them. I'm not saying this to my husband This was somebody else. But what I'm saying is, yeah. you know, yeah. people have to watch out what you're creating, you know, because if you're creating these sorrowful, lonely Be careful.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting so, the kind of patterns that we get locked into, and the emotional battles that we that ensue from those those patterns, which may or may not have anything to do with who we are in our true selves.
1: Exactly, because there is a real soul, and this is what I found. Because I've always known it, because because I do do know. Even the scientific experiments have said there's something beyond us. They don't even know where our mind is located. Or and you know it's kind of odd you know because we we kind of uh, have a body that we wear around like a jacket but they don't really know where our us is you know they can't yeah. Coin, yeah. they can't quantify it they don't know if it's in our heart and our brain or so there there is a soul that that matters and that searches for uh, answers and that it knows everything because I believe there's a higher self of us uh, that knows it all. You know, the higher yeah. self is beyond ego. That's more into—I uh, don't know—what would you call call this? What do you call that knowing self?
2: That higher self. Um, yeah. In, well, you know, Joseph Campbell talked about about it as the you that existed before this you. That's you know, what I'm that there's about. a part of us. Yeah, there's a part of us that existed before this this being. You know, this aspect of us incarnated into a physical body. Uh, and and you know some people even think that that part of us that existed before chose to come here, in a lot of near death experiences people talk about finding themselves on the other side uh and discovering that you know we choose our soul families, we choose the people that we want to incarnate with we choose uh we even choose some of the lessons that we want to learn um and some some of the things that we do in the incarnation is um release karmic debts for example you know there are a lot of things that we can do and there are a lot of traditions that teach this and i i like to read near death experiences and there are a lot of people who talk about um you know the things that they saw on the other side and that this is this this is part of and I, you know you can look at the people that are in your life and um and some of them for sure, uh, you know my cousins. I can say my cousins. I love my cousins very much, and we're very, very close. And I feel that we all have chosen to come together into the world at this time with each other and support each other. And you know, it's lovely. Um,
1: it is. It's so beautiful. If you, can,
2: if you can, if you can find that in your life, you know, it's it's wonderful, and it can be a source of great support.
1: Yeah, because I understand. I have some cousins I love very dearly. They can. Actually, be more than cousins, they're like almost like your soulmate brothers and sisters, you know. There's such a comfortableness with them, and you know, and I have that too, thank goodness. But okay, so, uh, why does synchronicity matter, and what are its implications? Like, how does it change our worldview or our attitude towards the world? Um,
2: so I think that, uh, I I think the reason it matters is because it's some it's some it's such a common experience. It's an experience, it's part of how the world really works. It's a real phenomenon in the world. And even though it's not recognized by the scientific tradition and I think part of the clash between science and religion and religious fundamentalists and science Scientific fundamentalist is over the the fact that science all by itself doesn't really satisfyingly address the full range of human experience, and religion doesn't either, and it's really important for for people coming through life today to have to not get locked into one tradition or the other, but to be open to the full range of human experience and to recognize how much richer life can become when you acknowledge that there are these possibilities, that synchronicity synchronicity is such... What's so radical about synchronicity is this idea of meaning as a connecting principle. And you can find it in the idea of, of the Tao. Um, and so if you read the Tao Te Ching and... Um, even the way that the I Ching works, if you cast the I Ching, you know, you cast the Yaroshock, to find what's happening in your life, you know, it really talks about the patterns and how the different patterns can overlap with moments in your life, you know, where you are in your life at the current time. That is all synchronicity. So methods of divination, those are synchronistic approaches. Um, Synchronicity is 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 a reality in our lives, and if you don't know about it or if you deny it and you only subscribe to or ascribe to the to a religious tradition or a scientific tradition um you're missing out on much of the richness that life has to offer um and much of the richness that human experience can bring you know we're here for a short time. We live and we come here for a reason and synchronicity can really add to that experience um, and guide us, you know, especially through the dark night of the soul. So, so um, let's see, what, what do I want to say about it? The implications of this, how does it change our view of the world? How does it change our attitude of the world? suddenly we realize that we're actually part of something much bigger, something much grander, that that the world outside is not separate from us, that we're part of it and it's part of us. And it changes the relationship between us and them into, you know, kind of I and thou, a, a much more respectful, connected relationship with the world. And, um, and that happens through, through this understanding of synchronicity. It can happen other ways, too, of course. And Synchronicity really, the phenomenon just really enriches all of that. It helps us see that we're part of this larger connected whole. And um, when you have the experience, it's a holy experience. And it's it's pretty mind-blowing, too. And, and I just think it's a very rich, rich uh, approach to life.
1: I think so too. I think it adds that depth and it actually adds a a language uh that would help you express this uh inner journey and uh like Joseph talks about uh in his book The Hero's Journey, um his interviews with uh remember he had series on uh
2: say that again i'm sorry it's
1: cut out just do you, do you remember do you remember uh the series that was on by uh joseph campbell and he was being interviewed by was that myers those interviews moyers, were so yeah. <laughs> bill moyers my bill moyers sorry uh and bill moyers was asking these questions and the way joseph campbell would sit there and, and uh and talk about this richness and this depth and he really studied all worlds religions and uh the things he was talking about was mesmerizing. You know, and yeah. um and me that uh I have like sought that out that, uh, and actually actually going to a town in San Francisco. And I love this little town, right? I just feel like well, here, I, here I don't know. I, kept going there. I lived there. I went, no, I'm trying to figure out a way how to work and, and be here. And it's called Cambria. <laughs> anyway, it turns out that's where uh, Joseph Campbell would go and do these groups. was there. He did groups there. It's, he did groups really at
2: Esalen.
1: Yes. Where?
2: At Esalen. Anyway.
1: Yeah. What's that? Esalen? Yeah.
2: Um, Esalen is a uh, a retreat center, a spiritual retreat center up just south of B- Big Sur. And yeah,
1: exactly. He, he,
2: right. He did a lot of retreats. In fact, a lot of the, I didn't um, know. videotapes. Um, we, actually, my husband and I gave a workshop there uh, once on alchemy, um, and I've taken a lot of my dream workshops were taken up there with my my dream shaman is uh, Robert Robert Moss, and he gives a lot of dream workshops up there. And it's a wonderful place to. Uh, it's oh, on the it side is. of a cliff. And just wow. marvelous to learn and experience. Yeah, and so Joseph Campbell did spend a, uh, taught there quite a bit, and even his wife taught there, um, gave workshops there, I believe.
1: Yeah, what a beautiful uh, thing to experience. And I just ended up with getting all that, watching that whole series and then getting all the audio tapes and playing them in the car and listening to them over and over and over, I still uh, have a copy that I wore out. And uh, it turned out that one my best male friend, uh, he had a copy too. We just found this out recently. Like he looked at my shelf, he said, you have a copy of that whole series? I went, yeah, he said, I have a copy too. And it's just like this whole different like, language that people speak that are into this kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's describing... Yeah. How beautiful life can be, and that uh, to to bump into fellow seekers is nothing like it. It's like we're finding your family, really.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so what, yeah. uh, So how do you apply your concept of secret uh, synchronicity with the work you do with other people?
2: Well, um, I. When I work with uh, organizations um I don't quite use the term synchronicity and I use it in okay. the context of tra- i use it in the context of transformation and transition um so when when people are going through a major uh reorganization or a change in corporate culture or you know some major event um uh, a lot of times they will um you know, things feel like they're falling apart, which is part of the transformational cycle. And nobody likes that, especially not organizations and corporations. And so they will implement all kinds of um, decrees and, you know, they will take all kinds of action to stop the falling apart from happening when actually, you know, maybe that's something that needs to happen in order to go to the next step. The, The system itself... Knows what to do and is trying to move through through to transformation, but you know, a lot of times corporations don't understand what's happening and will intervene and interrupt a natural process that's actually working. So I try to help uh, organizations understand what are the what are the different stages of transformation. What are the different uh, what what are the appropriate behaviors associated with each stage. How do we navigate the difficult periods of uncertainty? You know, what actions are appropriate? What actions are actually damaging? You know, so I work with organizations in that way. Um, When I work with individuals, uh, that tends to be more like coaching. And um, usually people come to me if they find themselves in the midst of profound change, where their life is coming apart in some way and the things that they have always tried aren't working anymore, then, um, see, as long as people have an idea of what to do, uh, it's very hard to to work with them in terms of synchronicity because you have to try Mm -hmm. everything that you know first. And it's only when none of that works, then it's like, okay, let's do this other work. Um, And it's that you find yourself in that place of profound not knowing and the dark night. And then, then we start working with dreams and synchronicity and symbols. And um, very often, um, people will have night dreams, but a lot of people don't remember their night dreams, in which case, um, life seems full of symbols for them. You know, the symbols will break through. If you can't remember your night dreams, it'll break through into your waking life. And you'll find yourself flooded with images or messages, you know, animals. People will report animals are doing strange things around them. And, you know, um, if you just, they a lot of times they don't know what's happening. They don't know what to do. And they just feel overwhelmed. And so I help Help recontextualize things for them and then help them work with these signs and symbols that are coming through um and and start to map them and journal them sometimes people like to paint and draw them some people like to dance them some people like to sing them um, right it's a real- it's a really rich creative period of time uh, We work on heart approaches to living as as opposed to thinking approaches, you know, as opposed to doing ego things that were doing the things you think you're supposed to do. The idea is to is to play and to unhook all the shoulds that you're you feel like you need to do. And if you have obligations and you have children and you have, you know, mouths to feed, of course, you can't just abandon all of that. In which case we try to carve out some time where you can you can let yourself go and and not be encumbered all the time, but that's kind of some of the things we do and how we work with it um, A lot of times what happens is people will will suddenly find something has shifted. sometimes I've worked with people and we haven't worked explicitly with. The material, I haven't explicitly told them what, what, uh, how I work with stuff. You know, maybe they're not, maybe they don't have that vocabulary. So I don't use the term synchronicity. I don't use Jungian psychological terms. But still, it's the same territory, you know, and there are still heart actions that you can take. Um, there's still a way to play that doesn't have an objective, you know, so you're, you're playing maybe you like to play soccer so you play not to win and not to get exercise but just for the fun of playing you know right um there, there are any number of things you can do during this time that will that will shore your soul up and get you get you through it and help you navigate the transformation successfully into the new person that you were really that you really came into this life to be
1: yeah i have a um little thing on my wall at my office. It says, "It takes courage to turn out to be the person. To to it takes courage to be the person you're really meant to be. You know, it does take a lot of courage.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, really yeah,
1: because yeah, you've got to shake off so much to get to that inner core. So we only have like let's, uh, let's see here, uh, like 17 minutes to wrap this up, but. I really wanted to ask you about the shamanistic aspect of what you do because you're a certified uh, shaman. So let's, can, you, can we talk about um, your practice in, in shamanism, how that came about and what happened to you and how did you get certified? Because I'm interested in the process for that.
0: Okay. Um,
2: well, I it came about because of, because of dreams, actually, my dreams are very, very vivid. They involve lots of animals, lots of um other beings not not necessarily human and um and these were very real to me. They were very real in my life and and I found that you know um animals really responded that that there was like you were talking about communicating with your dog, and you know I've mm-hmm. had dogs and cats and even other animals in. In you know wild animals, crows and um raccoons and possums and uh coyotes and um and i I realized you know it was just so much more than what other people that I knew my friends and my um my coworkers admitted to to experiencing um that I just I just kept all of that in the back of my mind, and I had already been studying Jung, and um, and then Robert Moss is a is a, a shamanic dream teacher, and uh, he was coming to our area, and my husband had come across some of his tapes, and that's kind of that was the introduction. And I like working with dreams from both the Jungian perspective, which is very deep, and uh, and even goes into a lot of theory and conceptual type work conceptual-type ideas. Um, and also I liked working with the shamanic perspective because there's an immediacy. There's It's embodied. It's very uh, direct, and it's very visceral. And you can often, you know, sometimes you don't – sometimes you have a dream and it's warning you about something and you don't have time to sit in analysis and work through the whole dream – Um, And so I like working with the shamanic approach because it's very uh, immediate and much faster and much more accessible for a a wider range of people. Um, And so Robert Moss uses uh, drums to access non-ordinary states of consciousness. Um, I know a lot of people use breath work. Some people use um, sound. Um, And so he uses drums. And I had... I had tried meditating, um, and the first, the first uh, experience I had with Robert Moss when he was drumming, it was immediate. I was in another state. I was in another place, uh, without trying, without any effort at all. And so the drum for me is a very, um, effective vehicle to access other states of mind. And so that's, that's my preferred, um, mode. And so I use drumming and, um, and he offers uh, different levels of training. So I've completed the first level with him. And uh, there there are uh, different things that you can do. You know, people get lost in life. Sometimes when traumas happen, um, parts of the soul can get split off. Um, you know, sometimes things happen when we're children and things that are frightening or scary. And part of us can get stuck or left behind. And so we can do um, dream work to re-enter past traumas and retrieve parts of ourselves that got stuck there. Um, We can re-enter dreams. If you had a dream that was particularly puzzling, we can do drumming to access a certain state of mind and go back into the dream. And ask the dream what it wanted to tell us, you know, get clarity into the dream, see things that maybe we missed when we were dreaming them in spontaneous night dream. Um, We can also do group dreaming where the whole group drums together and then accesses the dream and then can come back with information. I have a friend, um, Barbara uh, O'Leary, who is a phenomenal dream tracker. She can go in this in using this message, she can go into your dream and see things that you miss, and come back and say, "Well, I saw this and I saw that," and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that that was in my dream," you know. And there are all levels and abilities. Amazing. And so um, it's a it's such an amazing, rich way of working with dreams. Dreams come alive, and I like using both these and the, and the Jungian approaches together. It offers a very um comprehensive and rich way of working with dreams. The dream life is phenomenal. And, you know, for people who say that they don't remember their dreams, I totally understand. Sometimes when I'm um, very, very busy on a project or something, I, I I, also won't remember my dreams. But for those people, I would say, you know, just stay with it. Um, you can give yourself an intention when you're falling asleep and say, I would like to remember a dream tonight, you know, and you might have to give yourself that intention several times several you know several nights in a row but eventually a fragment will come through and another fragment and then it's almost like catching the tail of a tiger you know you try to catch just the tail and maybe you just get a bit of fluff the first time around but eventually you're going to get the whole tiger and it it's a practice it's a, it's a it's a skill it's something that you can get better at doing dream recall is something that you can improve upon and it it can be so enriching it's like having a personal advisor who knows all about you and, know, and can see beyond what you can see. And there, it can't tell you everything. It can't reveal everything to you, but it can tell you sometimes what you need to know to take the next step. So I really encourage people to um, to develop a relationship with their dream, dream selves, their dream lives. I think
1: that's that very
2: wise you? because it's so
1: yeah because it's telling you the secrets, and that's how you work. you work uh through uh the you know the the dream as a teacher, and that's the, the where the shaman comes in that you're yeah, the teacher absolutely. or the guide yourself, and that's that's what it means Because I was uh, just trying to clarify it for some people that don't know what something like that would mean, so it's uh right. you know. It's interesting. That's why I brought up that we do have, like, we we go through these certain periods of life in modern times without a guide, without clear-cut uh, understanding of, let's say, aging is the biggie, is that yeah. um, people before us don't tell us what happens to you when you age. They just avoid that whole thing. I don't know if they think if you ignore it, it's going to go away, but me and my friends, we're all within a year apart of age, a lot of us. And we're talking about how we've changed, even physically, with age. And we're, like, horrified. You know, why <laughs> didn't anybody tell us this? <laughs> why didn't they tell us this was going to happen? This isn't right. I mean, just at least tell us, you know, these things will happen to you. And it it still doesn't touch the person you have always been. You know, there's, like, a you that can't be touched. And um, right. that's the, the, the person that we're really talking about is the real us. But they didn't tell us what was going to happen to the the body that we were in. They just don't talk about it. Or maybe they're avoiding You're it. Ab- I don't
2: know. You're absolutely right. Well, in every every generation, there are things that are that are not polite socially, or they're taboo, or whatever for whatever reason. Um, and yeah, our generation tends to talk about everything quite a bit and the younger generations do even more of it. You know, they're on social media, everything is displayed for everybody to see. Um, but I, I agree that dreams can be a wonderful resource and friend, uh, and guide, especially through life processes, especially through physical life processes like aging. Um, I remember, I remember having a dream where, um, my younger me was looking in the mirror at an older me and somebody behind me whispered was saying goodbye and um and i took that as heralding the next stage of life you know the next stage of being a woman that that um some of the things of my youth were saying goodbye And they were no longer part of my life, and and if I hadn't had that dream, I would have just been continued to be shocked by my deteriorating physical condition. (laughs) But it was very, it was very helpful. And the
1: dream was saying, "Just say goodbye, you know, just just say goodbye. It's it's
2: okay, it's okay." And it was a very gentle goodbye. It wasn't, you know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't a big deal or anything. It was like she was leaving, and this other, this other more, you know, more mature woman was in her place. Um, Right. Dreams dreams can really help us through a lot. Uh, they can help us. And, you know, we have to learn their language, though. We have to learn the symbolic language. But even that in itself, the process of learning to work with symbols, of learning their meaning and plumbing their depths and understanding what they mean in our lives, they're so powerful. That is so enriching. That process is hugely enriching. Um, all of it just it just opens life up in a way that that I, I actually never dreamed was possible. It makes everything so much richer.
1: It does. So what came to mind is a dream I had, and uh, this is pretty wild, and I've always tried to reject it, but it keeps showing up because I don't want to believe in this. Part of me just wants to say, okay, I can dream about an old, old uh, crone, and it doesn't mean anything. Okay, but this is it. This is a white, big white convertible Cadillac inside and out. And there she is driving. She has long, long white hair. You know what I mean? And just driving in the glory of it all. You know what I mean? And I always kind of, that dream kind of just bugged the hell out of me. You know what I mean? But but I do know that that's going to be me someday. It is. You know what I mean? So I yeah. just till right now didn't want to really admit it. She was driving yeah. the car. So what what does yeah. that symbology mean to you?
2: Well yeah, I think you got it. Um somebody somebody else is driving the car, but you know, she sounds magnificent the way you just described she is her. I don't know. Yeah. Uh so. and the car
1: is so fantastic too, but <laughs> I think it was a way of telling me it will be like this, so you could accept it. You know what I mean? Or you can whine yeah, about it, yeah. either one. So it's uh, – because she will be driving someday, and I guess. But I sure love that car. So anyway, so that's an excellent symbol. But we have a, a caller on there, just area code 402. Uh, we don't really – we only have five minutes. So do you want to take a quick call or are you getting ready sure. close for the night? Okay, so let's just see. Oh, Area fine. code four hundred two. Uh, can I have Hi. your first name, please?
0: Hi, it's Sharon.
1: Hi, Sharon. Uh, we have time for a quick uh, question for our guest tonight, Cynthia.
0: Well, I uh, I was listening, just listening to the to the show, and I was very interested in um, her shaman healing. Yeah, I did get. Whole show, but I've had, uh, you know, a lot of health issues, and
1: I didn't know she'd be able to help. mm
0: Well, um,
2: so we only have a few minutes, but you could write to me, um, on my email address at Cynthia Cavalli okay. Consulting at Outlook dot com, or you could you could access my website and um and contact me that way, and then we can pick it up that way how does that sound that's great okay thank you Sharon, for calling in thank you Uh Sharon,
1: very much for calling in and uh just please contact her with your questions because uh, i i really feel that she could help you okay thank you okay take care okay bye-bye so you know that's really important is that um uh, I don't know if it's the pollution in the world and things like that, but you now people are getting sick with a lot of autoimmune auto disorders, thyroid conditions, right. things like that. Right. I think it's a direct result of, of what's happening uh, to our world, and we need, uh, like, strength. I don't know if antibiotics are the trick, or is it, uh, you know, that combined with how do we counteract the negative things influencing our health?
2: Right. Well, certainly, a more mindful approach to living will go a long way towards healing some of the challenges that we face at a much deeper level. You know, so being more mindful rather than just simply taking medicines all the time would would be very helpful. Um, but then there comes a time when uh, maybe things have gotten so bad that that you know uh, we really do have to take some quick interac- intervention. You know, with drugs or Um, allopathic medicine so um, I like I like using alternative medicine uh, as much as possible but there is also a place for allopathic medicine um, especially given you know a lot of the conditions that we have and I like to I like to avail myself to the whole spectrum of healing modalities because you know uh, everybody's different everybody's different everybody's experience is different and what we're doing, the, the role each of us is playing is different for everybody. And so um, you don't want to ever limit yourself or tie yourself to uh, to something at the risk of missing out on something else that might be helpful to our healing and our wholeness. Um, of course, if you found something that works, that's great. But, you know, um, and I don't know if I can help Sharon. I, I would certainly – try, and if mm-hmm. I cannot, then I can rec- refer her to someone else, you know, but I, I'd like to yeah. hear hear what what's going on, and, you know, and then we can de- determine what, what is the right approach to try, yeah. um, and that I would uh, encourage that of anybody else listening, you know, I would encourage them to, you know, if you have a question, you know, please feel free to contact me, and, and we can talk about it and work through it, you know. Right. Yeah. So where can people contact you again? And
1: give us the address to your website.
2: So my website is Com, And Cynthia is C-Y-N-T-H-I-A. Cavalli is C-A-V as in Victor, A-L-L-I. Um, and there's a, there's a form on there that you can send in to, you can fill out and ask me questions, and that will come straight to me. Or you can use my email address, uh, Cynthia Cavalli Consulting at outlook. dot com.
1: And, and you're also ways. doing the weekend seminars, so this is ongoing. So uh, your next yeah. topic will be this Sunday, right? And what's the topic?
2: Right. So right. So this Sunday we'll be talking um, a lot more about Jung and synchronicity and extended mind from the perspective of Jungian psychology. Um, last week we we had the uh, videotapes of. of um, our interview with Rupert Sheldrake and his idea was morph- morphogenetic resonance um and and so if you sign up even at this late date you'll have access to the recordings from the previous sessions plus all the interviews and some added material and then you'll be able to call in live and all the recordings are are reco- all the sessions are recorded so in case you can't be there live you can always listen to it later at your leisure well,
1: I want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us. And uh, you left me feeling very hopeful that there is help, you know, for other people like me that are dragging themselves through the darkness of the soul and out the other end and go through it again. <laughs> so, you know, it's wonderful to know you, Cynthia. And I want to thank you so much for being our guest tonight.
2: Thank you so much, Shar, for inviting me. It was my pleasure you're and I really enjoyed it. You're
1: very it. welcome you're you're welcome anytime too. So, uh I uh, just want to say good night and uh you take care and I'm going to just uh close out the show now. So, I just want to thank you again. Take care.
2: Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: So, you know, Cynthia Cavalli again, PhD, she has her PhD, has her doctorate and also her master's in business and uh you can reach her at C Y N T H I A Cavalli, cavalli consulting dot com and also do the seminars with her and gary Bobrov and uh they can also uh give you some interest in recommended reading and everything else as I've read uh, uh some of uh Gary's books and stuff like that, so it's just wonderful uh talking with somebody who is 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 traveling that path and actually helping guide us along our path so I want to encourage you to to call her if needed and um uh, I really respect her, and she has the credentials, and so you're very welcome to do that. So in closing, I just want to say thank you very much, everybody that tuned in. Uh, take care of yourselves, and come back next week. Uh, Steve Hudgens is going to be our speaker next Friday. You know, he's awesome. He's from KGRA uh, Radio, and he has a wonderful stuff to show about UFOs and things like that. So I want to wish everybody the best. May you find your real self, and uh, God bless all of you. Take care. Good night.